0: Welcome back to the program. In these highly polarized times, we all hear the admonition, especially around these times of holiday family get-togethers, to make sure you never discuss politics or religion. So what is it about both of these subjects that are so personal, so internal, so potentially inflammatory that we're admonished not to discuss them? My guest, longtime NBC journalist and former host of Meet the Press, David Gregory, has for years been immersed in both of these areas. Lately, he has put discussion of politics on the side burner to talk about religion and more specifically, the journey he's taken in going deeper into his own faith. He shared much of that journey in his new book, How's Your Faith? An Unlikely Spiritual Journey, and it is my pleasure welcome David Gregory to the program. David, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate being
0: here. It's a delight to have you here. Talk a little bit about when religion and, and faith, more specifically, really became something that you started to look at in a, in a more serious way.
1: Well, I think it was about 10 years ago. You know, I was at a point in my career where I was really on the ascent. I was covering the White House, covering President Bush, um, I was kind of lining up at, at what was happening at Meet the Press, filling in for Tim Russer. This was before he had died. So it's really at a, at a place of ascent in my career. And personally, our kids were very young. And, and my wife, who, who's a Protestant and I'm Jewish, had really challenged me because I wanted to be a Jewish family. She would really challenged me to go deeper and really lead our children in, in faith and to know more and to lead us more. And I took that as a very serious challenge, and so these things were working together. I was kind of thinking about, well, how do I do that? How do I learn more? But then also feeling a certain longing um, for answers to what I think are are life's most important questions, which is, is this all there is, and how should I live? Who is it that that I really am? Um, and for me, that really started a, a path of, of seeking God. That's what made sense to me. That's something that I hadn't done before. And, uh, and that was the real beginning of it.
0: When your wife, Beth, challenged you, as, as you say, about this, to what extent was that about the very fact that you wanted to raise the kids in, in a Jewish tradition and that if you were going to do that, there had to be something more substantive behind it?
1: Well, that's just it. I mean, I think her feeling was knowing that I came from a pretty secular Jewish background where I had identity growing up in Los Angeles. Uh, We were just talking about my father before we went on, um, who was Jewish, my mother not. But it was a very ethnic kind of cultural identity. I was just Jewish. And I think for Beth, who grew up uh, in the Methodist church and is a person of strong faith and came from those uh, values, that wasn't enough for her so if if she were going to make the sacrifice if she were going to compromise then she'd want it to be something more meaningful for me and therefore for our children other than just a, a kind of cultural identity so that is how i i took the challenge but as i say it it, it what was happening at the same time was this own this the sense of longing these these questions that were coming up for me which i think was uh, you know something about Um, a desire to be better, a desire to examine my life, a desire to think about what else was expected of me. You know, I'd been on a pretty singular path um, in my 20s and in my 30s of ambition, of seeking to get ahead in my career, and I did, um, and, and very quickly. And all of that had its costs, and I mean, it had certain spiritual costs for me. Um, And I was trying to get to the root of all that, I think.
0: One of the things that's so interesting, I suppose, about Judaism, and and, and maybe Catholicism as well, less so, I suspect, in other religions, is that there is this this cloak of the cultural aspect of the religion that one can, can dress themselves in without having to address any of the faith parts of the religion.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's true elsewhere in Christianity as well. Anytime you have a kind of cultural overlay to religious practice, um, you know, there's plenty of Christians who go to church, and that's part of the culture in which they live, their neighborhood, their part of the country, and they're not really digging into what it is that they truly believe. And that was really the, the penetrating question from Beth to me, which is, I know what you are, but what is it you believe? And I think... um you know that is something worthy of a journey of some understanding to figure out. Well, what is it that I truly believe in, um, and how is it that I view faith? You know, for me, there's uh, there's a couple of different paths. I mean, I believe in God. I believe uh, and cultivate that relationship with God. Some some things that I cannot prove um, that are you know kind of on a realm of consciousness and seeking and other things that are, um, to me, a path toward goodness, which is I'm trying to become a better person. I'm trying to deal with my weaknesses as a person. And for me, the 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 books, the texts, the, the inspiration of our foundational figures in faith teach me something about how I might live my life today. And so from that point of view, belief is more of a, a belief in the power of these stories Uh, to teach me something about how to live my own life. And so that's inspirational to me. It also provides a certain degree of enforcement in my life where I think about what's expected of me. And that's how I'm trying to go about it.
0: How did the trials and tribulations that surrounded leaving Meet the Press impact on this journey, because I think it's important to point out, as, as you do in the book, that your journey preceded all of that, that this wasn't some atheist in the foxhole moment, but to right. what extent did that experience in some ways infuse this ongoing journey?
1: I guess I would describe it as that the the experience of faith for me moved from, from the head to the heart in that experience. I think I was engaged in study of um, of religion, of Judaism in particular. I was engaged in trying to deepen my spiritual life um, through a focus on ethics and self-improvement and even you know a kind of spiritual consciousness. But as much as I thought I had perspective, you know, losing my job and my identity was a real kick in the behind. I mean, it was, it was a real blow. And um, there are times when I thought, oh, well, but my faith will help me with this. And the truth was, it wasn't strong enough, I wasn't strong enough, and so I, I, I really, you know, I suffered. I, I, I really, um, I just had difficulties in this past year plus losing my job because I, I lost that sense of identity. Most pronounced, and you come from the show business background, you know, when you're on television and you're in the culture as a celebrity and so many people pay attention to you think, well that must be really who I am, I must be a winner, I must be important because of those things. So I had to really kind of get broken down a little bit and and see faith as a um, as a way to embrace some of that humi- humility and to um, to seek some I don't know comfort and quiet and strength that just comes from kind of believing in myself and believing in god and and trying not to make it all about me, um, trying to quiet myself a little bit, think about others more and try to go through a little bit of that transition where, I wasn't so insecure and so um, self-absorbed that I could think about other things as opposed to everything um, being somehow about me and where I stand in the world and how people view me and that kind of um, so I think for me faith became something that helped to ground me more because in my faith and in my pursuit of whether it's trying to be better or just kind of spiritual awakening I was also awakened to just how weak I am, how flawed I am, and you know, people say, "Oh, well, if you become a more faithful person, then you must think you're better than me." And I say, "No, I mean, not at all. If anything, it just magnifies your weakness. And but you live with a certain acceptance of how flawed you are, knowing that um, you know that God still loves you and that there's still an acceptance for that. It doesn't make life, you know, <laughs> doesn't make you doesn't necessarily make everything better or make your you know mistakes go away."
0: How did that identity and having that identity and being on, on the path to at least trying to better understand it, how did that serve as a kind of fallback? Can you imagine what your Meet the Press experience might have been like were it not for that faith identity if that hadn't been there in some way?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I look at it a little bit differently. Like, What if it had been there a little bit more strongly? What if I had, um, you know, look, I, I, I don't know that, I, you know, going back to what happened there, I think there was some internal politics. There was a lot of internal politics. We were struggling in, in the ratings. Um, there were some things that I was trying to do that maybe got a little bit more attention on the program. Um, so I don't know how we would have avoided that that constellation. I just think I mean, I think the the mistake to take me out it was a mistake. I mean I think it was a bad decision. But um, I think the, but the reality is if I had as I look back on it and try to internalize my piece of it, I wish I had been a little bit more focused on the people around me on um, how to how to make it so that we're we're more part of a team instead of it just being about me and how this is all impacting me. I think that that affected some of my relationships and I, th- I certainly think it affected kind of my standing within the organization. Um, so I think for me, the idea of fallback is saying, well, could any could could I don't know that anything would have made a difference but I might have been a happier and a better person if I had maybe approached all of these challenges a little bit differently in terms of how I uh, how I treated people around me and how I tried to lead the way um, you know out of where we were.
0: It's interesting in a broader cultural context and I couldn't help thinking of this in reading some of what you've written is that we look at millennials today in much the same way you talk about yourself in in the early years, is very self-centered, very focused on on what it is they want to accomplish as far as their career, very maniacal (laughs) in that sense. And yet the one fundamental difference when we look at millennials today, particularly in the workplace, is that there's this requirement to work in
1: teams,
0: and and it's just an interesting cultural situation.
1: Yeah, and I don't know, you know, the, the difference between the, the, the millennials and then this kind of younger group still. I mean, I guess one of the things I would say is not only a work in teams, but I think more of a, a kind of cultural awareness and the idea of, um, you know, working for businesses that have a sense of conscience and a sense of mission and purpose in the world. I think people really do seek a sense of purpose in their work. and um, And I think that's really important. I mean, I think I came to seek that and seek that now. But... You know, I was in an industry in particular that, um, you know, that, that tends to reward people who are out for themselves if they have the talent to keep progressing, um, and so the team concept gets diminished a little bit, but, but but people do well when they understand that they really are part of this larger team, and that if I, as an individual, you know, journalist succeed, um, people around me are succeeding as well, and I think... Um, You know, not to dwell on it, because I don't think I was responsible for everything that happened, but I do look at that sweep of of my 20s and 30s and say, could have used a lot more working with others, could have used a lot less attention on myself, uh, could have been a lot more aware of how I was perceived by the people around me, not just the people above me. You know, I was very good at kind of managing up. But not in managing sideways as much.
0: But a lot of that is also a function of show business and of growing up in Hollywood, arguably.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, look, my dad, my dad Don Gregory, um, uh, was a big uh, influence on me and advisor to me, and and helped kind of cultivate some of the certainly cultivated the ambition and kind of how to how to go ahead and and get ahead. Um And we didn't talk as much about you know the idea of hey if you're successful, you want to make sure you have people around you or, who are feeling like they're successful as well, but I think that's an important lesson, and I guess what I say is my approach now, and whether it's just uh, kind of learning from experience and being humbled by setbacks, but to me, it also is the faith path. It is a kind of spiritual and ethical path that I try to pursue, which says to me, you know if if I am if I am just for myself, then what am I? And how do I cultivate a sense of purpose that's broader than just what you know, me getting ahead? Um, doing work that's enlightening and interesting. I still love journalism from that point of view, but I want to be compassionate and, and empathetic and also enlightening. Um, and there's, of course, a lot of journalism, a lot of television journalism in particular. There's a lot more heat than light right now, and it's unfortunate to watch it from the outside.
0: Talk about talking about religion and faith the way you have as a journalist, and and a lot of people perceive that as a complicated discussion.
1: It is, and I haven't, I mean, I never had any uh, any, any pushback when I was, you know, in Meet the Press or at NBC talking about these things. It's when I just read The End of Faith by Sam Harris, um, and so it's, it's kind of top of mind for me, and I I know that there's a lot of people who think that that kind of embrace of religion or what they might see as dogma is having no place in, in journalism or in, say, political coverage and so forth. And um, I view it a little bit differently. I, I think it's really important to separate the two, but I think that, you know, faith is a really important animating part of who we are, whether we're, um, you know, whether we work in construction or... uh Whether we're, you know, working at the local drugstore, whether we're on television, or whether we're a politician, you know, I mean, I think everybody is touched by faith in some fashion, based on how they grow up, the experiences they have, rejection of it, embrace of it, around times of uh, either great highs or great lows. So I think it's relevant to how people think. Um, So I think there's a place for it that doesn't have to become divisive or doesn't have to become dogmatic. I think uh, too much of religious discussion is about what should make us afraid or what you should not be able to do or what dictates a certain way of treating other people, and that's not something that that I subscribe to.
0: The other part of that is the separation between the personal and the professional and how one looks at that.
1: Right. and But I'll take President Bush as an example because I write about him. The idea that when he told Bob Woodward, Woodward asked him, do you get advice from your father about the war in Iraq? And he said, there's a higher father I appeal to. Now, the notion that that meant that Bush um, was taking direction from God about invading Iraq, I think is nonsense. Um, It's not to say that there are not religious figures who who are, are political figures who view it that way. I don't think that was the case with him and I think what he was speaking about was something that a lot of people can understand, which is the faith of conviction, the idea that God can be a source of comfort and strength for people, not the idea that God tells you what to do um, and I just don't think that that was uh, the case um, and there's no question that President Bush's religious faith informed his leadership, and some would argue, you know, took, led to policies that, um, that, that were maybe unduly inspired by faith. But my view is that, that he primarily pursued faith as a, um, as a path toward improvement, self-improvement, a personal discovery. He transformed his life and uh, and that's how that's how i view his own his own record of faith and i think in that way it doesn't have to be that complicated a conversation we don't always have to ascribe ulterior motives to people who are people of faith
0: of course what it gets caught up in as you've talked about and as you've written about is this question of rational versus irrational thinking
1: right and again you know i don't think that one should make a decision either certainly as a journalist or as a politician, that is based on what you think God wants you to do, I think that is irrational. Um, uh, I think, you know, when the Pope appeals to politicians to consider the common good and certain lessons from our sacred text about how to treat strangers and, and the poor, I think those are useful things to come to, I mean, and to consider including how we should treat one another. Now, admittedly, there's picking and choosing, right? Because there's plenty of irrational beliefs in our ancient books um, that have no place in in civil society. Um, You know, we shouldn't be stoning adulterers or, you know, um, uh, people, you know, women who are virgins on their wedding day or we shouldn't be killing people, you know, um, for not observing the Sabbath. I mean, I just don't think that that's... um, you know that's what uh, our faith should lead us to just because it's written in the ancient book so I think there's no question that I think faith and a spiritual path can inform who we are and who we become without it crossing the line into um, decisions that are taken in that uh, based on that belief why
0: has it become it back around kind of to where we started. So taboo to talk about these subjects today. In part, it's because it's gotten so politicized, and and because the yeah. rhetoric is so heated, and and the nexus between politics and religion today is so complicated.
1: Yeah, and I think because in in politics, religion becomes about appealing to certain um, uh, orthodox groups. Um, I think of this in terms of appealing to Christian conservatives, where there are certain hot button issues that you have to espouse in order to get their vote. Um, I think uh, the same is true on the left, where the you know secularism is what is uh, is really prized. Um, look, we live in a secular republic we are we have a separation of church and state, and it ought to remain that way and yet we 've always expected our political leaders to be people of faith in some fashion. Um, It's just who we are as a people. I think one of the reasons is that we have a difficulty in this kind of fear of offending each other. You know, as as someone now who has written about faith and talked a lot more about faith and read a lot more about faith, I'm very comfortable wrestling with these concepts, both the kind of, um, you know, spiritual consciousness, about belief, about the content of the ancient books, and even increasingly about atheism. I mean, you know, I was, as I was reading Sam Harris, I was thinking, wow, I mean, he's so smart, and there's just really some, some important things to think about here, about how we balance belief with rational thinking, and, and ethics um, with rational thinking, and what the role of, uh, of faith really should be. Um, so I, 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 I'm happy to wrestle with these things, because I don't think, uh, what I don't like is certainty. I don't have certainty. I have doubts, and I wrestle with things. And it's those people who present themselves to the world as having complete certainty that I think we have to be wary of. But I think we can have um, more fulsome discussions of faith and the role that it plays and then the role that it doesn't play in our public life without it being so divisive. Um, Whether we look at the role that violence plays in in religions like Islam as well as, as the other Abrahamic faiths, as opposed to Eastern religion, I mean, we, we ought to be able to take a, a particular view of that and take a look at it in particular because we have forces that we're spending so much time talking about and covering who are orthodox, um, you know, literalist, fundamentalist uh, Muslims who are lifting the text verbatim and meting out justice based on what the text says. So we ought to be able to engage in a real in a real dialogue about it.
0: But you said the key word in that, which is certainty. And certainly part of the problem today is this desire because the world is so in flux, because we live in times that are changing so rapidly, et cetera, et cetera, that there is this kind of hunger for the kind of certainty that people felt maybe in the 50s or before. And that desire for certainty is what interferes with the ability it seems to have these kinds of discussions that we need to have.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, And I think that's certainly true for some people. I don't know. I think there's also a lot of people who, who just want to be happier, who want to feel, um, who want to feel like they have, uh, room in their life to be more peaceful, to take stock of their lives, to feel kind of more in control. And I think that's where you see this drift toward meditation and Eastern religion and just spirituality. How do we get to a place where we're able to really look inside of ourselves and try to get closer to God however we understand God and how do we find inspiration and how do we try to find meaning and purpose? That's kind of where I come back to, which is the reason I think the question that, that President Bush asked me, how's your faith, um, was so important because I think it invites me uh, like it invites you to say, well, let me sit with that question. Let me lean into that question a little bit. Well, how is my faith? Do I, do I have it? Do, do, is it as strong as it used to be? Is it as strong as I'd like it to be? Would my life be better if it were stronger? um is it what it was when i was a kid and my my point is that my answers are no better than your answers i just think the questions are worthwhile so whether you seek certainty or whether you seek solace and comfort or maybe you just you know like wrestling with yourself and examining yourself i think those are worthwhile things because i think ultimately happiness and goodness can come from a commitment to An ethical, and spiritual, and indeed faithful life. I happen to be, and as a Jew, I mean, I also think that that reason and rationality play an important role in that as well.
0: David Gregory, the book is How's Your Faith? An Unlikely Spiritual Journey, just out from Simon & Schuster. David, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: I really appreciate it. It was was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.